2 Kings chapter 17. So I want to just give you a, a, a brief history lesson, although you've heard it by now many times, but in 2 Kings chapter 17, you see the collapse of the northern kingdom of Israel, which is called Israel in the Old Testament, in the book of First and Second Kings. Judah is Benjamin and uh, Benjamin and Judah in the south. That's where the uh, messianic line of kings reigned. Uh, but again, just a little history, the nation of Israel was in Egypt for 400 years. They were in slavery. They began after a while to worship Egyptian gods and to uh, rebel against the, the, the Lord. I believe with all my heart that's the reason they got into slavery. But their crying and their groaning to the Lord got to be so intense that the Lord, it says their groaning went up to heaven, the Lord came completely out of mercy, not because they deserved it at all. They were living in rebellion, um, and he went to Moses, told Moses, hey, go back to Egypt and bring them out of Egypt. I'm going to take you to a land of milk and honey, which is the land that we know today as that region in Israel. They were delivered from slavery. I think one of the most interesting verses in the Bible is in the book of Leviticus that they had been so abused, punished, and um, distraught during their time in uh, Egypt under slavery. They came out as a nation of hunchbacks, and, but God made them upright. That's what he will do with you. That's what he does. That's what he does with Christians. He turns us into hunchbacks, and he makes us upright. And um, so they go, they're delivered from Egypt. They're in the wilderness for 40 years. They are like so many people when their God first initially brings someone out of salvation, uh, into salvation, a lot of times they're kicking and screaming and they're still, they're acting like a baby. Well, they acted like a, a baby for like 40 years uh, in the wilderness. Um, God says, kept them in the wilderness for 40 years before bringing them into the land of milk and honey. Finally, he brings them into the land of milk and honey through Joshua. There's a period of the judges, what's called the judges for 400 years. And then after 400 years, he establishes a king. They ask for a king, but a king that looks like kings of all other nations, meaning handsome, tall, strong, a warrior. And the Lord didn't like this request, but it's, there's an expression, be careful what you pray for, because sometimes God will give it to you, even though just to basically teach you a lesson. They got what they prayed for. They got a, a, a very tall, handsome, warrior-like man who looked like the kings of other nations and also acted like the kings of other nations. His name was Saul, and uh, he um, reigned in Israel for 20 years, and Israel got a taste of what it was like to be reigned by a man who was of the flesh, who was not godly. Saul eventually lost, uh, he was killed in battle, and so David, King David, stepped in. Now Jesus is the son of David. David himself, when he became king, God promised him that from your descendants, I'm going to rise up a king that will um, reign forever, speaking of Jesus Christ. Um, th there will never cease to be a, a king on your throne, was what God promised David. So David reigned for 40 years. David's son, Solomon, reigned 40 years. After Solomon died, Solomon's son was Rehoboam, and at that time there was a civil war, and 
the northern ten tribes were basically uh, ripped, we'll, use, we'll see that language tonight, I believe, from um, the south, and they became two different kingdoms. They were cousins. They were essentially brethren, but two different kingdoms, the kingdom in the north and the kingdom in the south. The kingdom in the north uh, lasted uh, for about uh, 200 years, and they had a succession of kings. Every one of them was a wicked king. What had happened, the first king of the north, Jeroboam, had set up two large um, uh, bulls, one in the south and one in the north, and said, this is Jehovah, this is God. Worship this. You don't have to go down to Jerusalem where Judah is. Just stay here. And it was just idolatry, and it never stopped. It increased. It got worse and worse and worse. And uh, meanwhile, in the south, there would be good kings and bad kings. Um, but in the north, eventually, as the prophets warned them over and over, the kingdom collapsed, and the Assyrians, an enemy, one of the cruelest people that ever lived, came in and basically uh, forced them, put hooks in their noses, and sent them to different kingdoms all over the world. And so that's what we're going to read about tonight. <laughs> and it's, you know, this, this can be a depressing subject, but it's a warning to our hearts. This stuff can be a wonderful warning to our hearts. So in 2 Kings chapter 17, it says, in the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, remember the book of Kings, it switches from the south, the kings there, and tells about the kings in the south, and then it flip-flops like a windshield wiper to the north. And here we are speaking about the kings of the north. Chapter 16 was the, a king in the south. Chapter 17 goes back to a king in the north. In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, Hoshea, the son of Elah, became king of Israel in Samaria. He reigned nine years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as the kings of Israel who were before him. Now, commentators say, well, that's unusual because, as I talked about last week, usually when a king is described in the north as being evil, they um, all say the same thing. Um, the, the king was evil because uh, they did not depart from the sin of Jeroboam, um, the sin of Jeroboam, meaning setting up those big bulls, those golden bulls. And so there's a theory about why it, doesn't, why it says this, that he was not as evil as the kings that were before him. I'm going to get to that a little later. But let's continue on here. Verse 3, Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against him, and Hosea became his vassal and paid him tribute money. So at this time, Israel basically becomes a vassal, a sub-kingdom. They, they don't have their independence anymore. They don't call the shots. Verse 4, and the king of Assyria uncovered a conspiracy, conspiracy by Hosea, for he had sent messengers to sow. If you want to give one of your sons a name that people will be able to spell and remember easy, name him so, S-O. He was king of Egypt and brought no tribute to the king of Assyria as he had done year by year. Therefore, the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. So the, the king in the north gets thrown in prison. Now, why did he do it? He went down to Egypt. So the king of Israel goes down to Egypt. And, and, and this is a pattern throughout the uh, history of Israel. They go back to the place where they were enslaved. And, 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 and as a pastor, this is what, this is a, a good part of my life. Like 20% of my pastoral life is dealing with precious sheep who go back to Egypt. They go back to the place they were enslaved. They don't like the freedom uh, of just 
in Christ that many times, yeah, it can be, it can be difficult walking in obedience to the Lord. And they say, oh, that's uh, enough of this. I'm going back to Egypt. And, and as it says in Proverbs, they go back really to the, um, to the vomit. They go back to the vomit and they live in the vomit again. And it, it always breaks my heart, and it, but it drives me to prayer. And guess what? God's merciful. <laughs> That's the amazing thing. God's merciful. He'll pull you right back out of the vomit, out of Egypt. And even though he delivered you once, he'll deliver you again and again. But, you know, there, there are consequences. But what? this is a history. This is a pattern um, that they did. They would go back to Egypt, say, help me, Egypt. Help me, Egypt. You were rescued from Egypt. Why are you asking for help from Egypt? And, uh, and so um, that's what they did, but they did it for the last time. What we're going to see here is um, a teaching throughout the Bible that, 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 that the Lord has mercy, has mercy on mercy, but if someone just continues to go back into sin, back into sin, back into sin, back into sin, eventually he says, okay, have it your way. And that's what happens here. They go back to Egypt for the last time because the kingdom's going to collapse. The king, so the king is arrested and he's shut up in prison. So there's not even a king in the north in, in, in Israel at this time anymore. And it says the king of Assyria went throughout the land and went up to Samaria, besieged it for three years. Um, so someone was up there defending the city up there. Uh, but in the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria took Samaria, carried Israel away to Assyria, and placed them in Hala and by the Haber, the river goes in and in the seed, cities of the Medes. So they, literally you have this foreign power. It would be like um, if the, I don't know, Russians came here and just started putting people in ships and sending them back to Russia and putting them in Siberia and Moscow. And this, is what, this is what the Syrians used to do. Um, they used to just go in and bring the people and they would just scatter them um, all over their empire. Now, verse 7, for it was, you know, verse 7, 8, and 9 list the three. Re so this is the collapse. They're, they're done. It's over um, at this point, the northern kingdom. And verses 7 through 9 list five reasons, five reasons why this was done. For, it, for so it was that the children of Israel sinned against the Lord their God. The Bible says the soul that sins will surely die. That's number one who had brought them out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh and king of Egypt, and they had feared other gods. So that was number two. They sinned against God. Number second reason is they started fearing other gods. You know, it's amazing um, to me that when you see a people departing from the Lord and leaving God, all of a sudden they get really scared of other gods. And I see this here in the city. We've had many people in this church uh, who have come into this church. They, they start getting involved in Santeria because they start fearing, or voodoo, um, because they start fearing demons and devils. They start fearing other gods. It's like, hey, but why don't you just go back to the one true God and, and you won't have to deal with that fear anymore? Uh, and, and, and so, number two, the reason that the, the, the nation collapsed was that they started fearing other gods. There's a healthy fear of our God. It's the healthiest thing. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, the Bible says. But God help you when you backslide and all of a sudden you're fearing demons. You're fearing uh, uh, other gods, other spirits, you start to fear them. Um, the third reason, verse 8, and had walked in the statutes of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel, which they made. So when it says they had walked in the statutes of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from the, uh, before the children of Israel, uh, you know, in, in, 
in the United States of America, we do have a wonderful thing. We don't have laws of the government that require us to do certain religious things. That's like a new thing in history. Uh, for thousands of years, um, the, the, the government would uh, pass laws requiring that you do certain things religiously. And, you could, you, and, and that's how a good part, even, even England... Um, even England, in, after they had left Catholicism, you had to be in the Church of England. And if you weren't in the Church of England and you tried to just set up your own church, man, you got whacked. But even today, in Eritrea, um, the head of our nursery, Adonish, has been imprisoned herself in Eritrea, as has her brother, as has her father. She actually, when she was a child, she would be in a church service, and the police would come in and arrest her father while he was preaching. And, and um, the, the, laws, the laws of the country forbid people from just going off and setting up their own church. So it's, unless it's in the Eritrean Orthodox Church, you, get, you can get imprisoned there. So what did they do? They walked in the statutes of the nations um, from, uh, uh, that the Lord had previously kicked out, and they started following the gods of those nations and even the laws of those nations. Uh, reason number four that the kingdom collapsed in the north, that verse nine, and the children of Israel secretly did against the Lord their God things that were not right. So who are you in secret, Calvary Chapel? In secret, who are you? What do you do? It's an important thing. That's, that's the place that, um, that, that, that's the place, I believe, of power in a Christian life. What we do in secret, nurturing our lives with the Lord, or, or, or are we worshiping demons? In secret, every time you go, uh, someone goes into a, a porn site, by the way, they're going into a temple of a foreign god. Paul speaks about demons being behind every idol. And, uh, you know, 2,000 years ago in Ephesus, there were temples of temples, uh, religious temples, where you would go in and, and you could have sex with whoever. Uh, man, woman, or whoever, and you, you were worshiping a god as you did. There was the goddess of fertility, like Diana. Uh, today, it just comes right into your phone. And that's what you do in secret. But the power of the Christian life is really of, of what you um, do in the secret place uh, and the fifth reason it gives, and they built themselves high places in all their cities from watchtower to fortified cities. And so that, that, those are the five um, reasons that, the, the, that Israel collapsed. The ten tribes in the north, verse 10, they set up for themselves um, sacred pillars and wooden images on every high place and under every green tree. In other words, just pervasive throughout the the world that green trees were seen as, you know, trees of fertility, and so there would just be uh, religious rites to gods of fertility under the green trees. Verse eleven, they burned incense on all the high places, like the nations whom the Lord had carried away before them, and they did wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. The Lord suffers long. He suffers long. That's a very interesting Greek word, actually, in the New Testament, where it says love suffers long. It, the, it, 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 basically, what, it, um, what the word means, if you do a study in, it, in the Greek, is it takes a long time to boil over. That's love, God's love for you. It takes a long time for him to... To, to really get angry at you. But there comes a time where um, he's provoked to the place where he needs to chasten. And that's what he does here. Verse 12, for they served idols 
of which the Lord had said to them, you shall not do this. You know you become what you worship, right? If you worship whatever hip-hop star, um, secular hip-hop star or whatever, you'll become like that. If you worship money, you'll become like money. If you worship fashion, you become what you worship. You worship Jesus Christ, you will become like Jesus Christ. They served idols, of which the Lord had said to them, you shall not do this thing. Verse 13, yet the Lord testified against Israel, against Judah, by all of his prophets, every seer saying, turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the laws which I commanded your fathers, which I sent you to, to you by my servants, the prophets. So what, what This is all an explanation of why the kingdom collapsed. And it says, it lists the five reasons, and then it says, and by the way, the whole time I was sending you prophets to try to get you to turn back to me. So for 200 years, over 200 years, he was just sending them prophets, please come back to the Lord, just pleading with them. And so which prophets? Actually, Elijah, Elisha, Jonah, Amos, Hosea, all prophesying to the northern kings and kingdom to say, please turn, turn to the Lord. In the book of Amos, um, in chapter 5, verse 21, this is Amos speaking to the northern kingdom. This is God speaking. I hate, I despise your feast days. And I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. Listen to this one, especially you worship team members. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments, but let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. If, if you... Are, are, are a worship part, on a worship team or you are in worship and you're li- lifting your um, hands to the Lord but you're living a double life. And this is, this is what they were doing in the northern kingdom. And Amos went up there and was telling, and then he said in verse 27 of chapter five, I will send you into the captivity beyond Damascus. In other words, he warned them He warned them. He warned them and told them, I'm going to send you away. Verse 3 of chapter 6 of of Amos says, Woe to you who put far off the day of doom. In other words, they, they, they were doing whatever, and they're saying, oh no, the prophets are coming up here, and they're... They're warning us. That's something way in the future. Listen to Amos. He goes, you who lie on beds of ivory, who stretch out on your couches, who eat lambs from the flock, who sing idly to the sound of stringed instruments and invent for yourselves musical instruments, who drink wine from bowls, uh, I shall now... Basically, what he says in verse 7 of chapter 6, you shall now go as captive. You shall be the first of the captives, and you will recline at your banquets no more. So these guys had been going up there all along, and even to the very end, before they collapse, in the south, we may get to the southern kingdom tonight, Hezekiah was the king at the time, he was the king in the south at the time the kingdom in the north collapsed. And when Hezekiah came in, it says in Second Chronicles chapter 30, he sent to all Israel and Judah. Uh, he, he resolved to make a proclamation to all Israel. So, so 
So he left the southern kingdom, the two tribes, and he, he sent messengers throughout all the, the ten tribes um, to the north, and he invited, come to the Passover in Jerusalem. Come down here. Verse 5 says he sent runners, and, 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 and this is what they said, children of Israel, return to the Lord God of Abraham. This is going on. So to the very, very end, this is going on. Uh, the Lord pleading with them right before, in the one, few years before they collapsed, the king from the south, this very righteous king Hezekiah, is sending people. They're crossing the border, and they're going to the north. In verse 7 of Second Chronicles 30, it says, Do not be like your fathers and your brethren who trespassed. And so... It says in verse 10, uh, this always amazed me. So the, the runners pass from city to city through the country, and it says, but they laughed at them and mocked them. You think you're the only person that people laugh at because of your Christian faith. <laughs> this has been happening for 3,000 years. They laughed at them. It did say, it does say in verse 11 that some of them actually came down to Jerusalem. But um, So my point is to the very, very end, God is calling to them, calling them back. Verse 14 of Second uh, Kings chapter 17 says, Nevertheless, they would not hear, but stiffen their necks like the necks of their fathers who did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statute and his covenant that he had made with their fathers and his testimonies, which he had testified against them. They followed idols, became idolaters, and went after the nations who were all around them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should uh, not do like them. So I, I just have this question for you. What if there is complete financial collapse I don't know why there ever would be. We're only $30 trillion in debt now. But um, I, I, I don't know why that would ever happen to our country. Um, uh, what if there was complete financial collapse and uh, there's a third or fourth var variant of COVID and just instead of you know, a tiny percentage of the country um, fatalities and we mourn for that situation and we pray, it goes to some crazy thing like 10%. Do you think if prophets came to this country and said, listen, all this stuff, bad stuff that's happening, it'll all stop if you agree to turn away, to repeal these laws, allowing same-sex couples to get married, if you no longer if you strike away all the abortion laws and make it illegal, if you um, if, if you start cleaning up entertainment in this country, even in the midst of terrible calamity, do you think this country as a whole would turn away from those sins? Maybe yes, maybe no. The point here is in 2 Kings chapter 17, things could not have been worse, but they refused to leave their sin. That's, that's, that is why the Bible says sin is deceitful, meaning we, it, 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 it's, it's like crazy. I, I, I've talked to some folks who have left the Lord and they're living a life of sin, and e even after just all kinds of bad, terrible stuff starts happening to them, they're deluded. They won't leave it. They don't realize that if they would just repent, the book of Acts says, times of refreshing will come from the Lord. And so um, here you have it, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the kingdom collapsing up there. It says in, uh, what verse did I leave off? Does someone remember what verse I was in? What was that? Did I, did I read verse 14? I'm in 16? All right, Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland. So they left all the commandments of so they they left all the commandments of the Lord their God made for themselves a molten image and two calves 
and made a wooden image and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served Baal. And they passed their sons and daughters to, through the fire, practiced witchcraft and soothsaying, sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Hey, I, I've warned you guys that Second Kings is not exactly the, the, the most cheerful book to read in the Bible. The good news here is all this sin went on top of Jesus on the cross. He took it. And he paid for it. Uh, he paid for sins past, um, present, and future. In the, uh, uh, you know, meaning past before him, people living while he was living, and, and, and then everyone in the future. Um, but man, these guys really were rebelling in the South. No matter how bad things got, they would not, um, they would not turn away from it. The Lord was very angry with Israel, verse 18, and removed them from his sight. Now, that's not a good day when God does that with you. When God removes you from his sight. He literally, physically removed them. They left. He, the, 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 the Syrians came in and carted them away to hundreds and hundreds of, of miles away. How far is Nineveh from Israel? I don't know. Maybe someone can Google it. But that's a long way away. And, and other places in the, in the kingdom. He removed them from his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah alone. So all that's left now is, are the two tribes in the south. And there's going to be a, there's a massive revival going on down there. People turning back to the Lord under Hezekiah. That's the next chapter. That's, that chapter's a lot happier than this one. Verse 19, also Judah did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel which they made. The Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel, afflicted them, delivered them into the hands of plunders until he had cast them from his sight. For he tore Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king... Then Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord and made them commit a great sin. Those are those, the great sin that their forced king Jeroboam drove them into again was those golden calves in Bethel in the south and Dan in the north. Verse 22, for the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They did not depart from them until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight. Last Sunday morning, we spent a lot of time on the fact that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we saw how serious Jesus is about the temple, right? He went into the temple, the physical temple, and saw that the people of God were being very hurt and... He drove out those who were selling the goods there, the wares. He turned over tables. Again, previously, he had done this before, three years before. He actually made a whip <laughs> and, um, and drove out the cattle. And again, very interesting, no one stopped him. He had just such moral authority that no one, no one stopped him. But, you know, the Lord does that. He is very serious about his temple, and it says that when Jesus died, the veil of the temple was torn in two. It, it went from being a physical location to you. And the Lord is exceedingly serious about his temple. I, I mean, I would be lying to you if I told you anything differently. And he will start turning tables over. Out of love. What was his motivation for doing that? Love. Love for you. Love for his father. He's always protecting the glory of God. The glory of God has, was rested on your life when you got saved. The glory that used to be in the temple, used to rise above the tabernacle in the desert, is now in your life. And God protects that glory. And he loves you. He loves, he loves the Father. He protects the glory of the Father.
And here we see um, an example of just the Lord coming in and um, says, removing Israel out of his sight. As he had said, verse 23, by all his servants, the prophets, so Israel was carried away from the, their own land. This is a land that had been given to them. How awful when the Lord blesses us materially. I mean, blesses. What I really like is the joy and the peace, but what I see over the years is when someone gives their life to the Lord, it's just amazing how God starts prospering them materially. Not necessarily making people rich, but it's like, wow, this guy, I remember him when he was like five months back rent permanently. And now all of a sudden, the guy has this solid job and is tithing and more than tithing, and God's just blessing them. I've just, for decades, I've been seeing this. But God will take it all away from you if you start corrupting his temple. He loves you that much. Out of love, he will do it. He wants the relationship. He doesn't want you worshiping what he's given you. It says he removed them out of their own land. It was their land. 730 miles they were taken away from Israel all the way to Nineveh or other places in the kingdom. may have been longer, maybe shorter. Verse 24, the kings of Syria. Thank you, Freddie. Did you use Google or did you know that by memory? No, I did not. Okay. <laughs> 730 miles so that would be from here to Atlanta or something like that it's a 15 hour drive yeah that's a long way then the king of Assyria uh, brought people from Babylon Kutha Ava Hamath and from Sepharvam and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they took possession of Samaria and dwelt in the cities. Did you guys catch this? So they took all the Israelites out and they brought people from other nations and put them in. This is just what they used to do. Um, now we'll see later on what the Babylonians did. They just brought the Israels to Babylon, but they didn't put like other people. They just left Israel basically empty. There was just a few people. But that's not what the Assyrians did. Assyrians would bring other people, say, okay, now go to those homes and those cities, those vineyards, those fig trees. They're yours now. That's what the Assyrians did. And here are the, here are the names. The Bible is a history book, among other things. And these, these nations, who we don't know much about anymore, we know about ba Babylon, but they, they occupied that area to the north, which, by the way, includes Galilee, where Jesus grew up. Verse 25, and it was so at the beginning of their... Okay, so here, are you ready for, like, something a little weird? Are you guys ready for that? Okay, here we go. This is going to be a little weird, but I warned you. This is one of the stranger stories in the Bible. So the Israelites have all been taken away, and this is what happens. Um, so it was, verse 25, at the beginning of their dwelling there, that they did not fear the Lord. Now, who's the they here? The they here, again, it's the people that were brought in. So the, the, the foreigners, they don't, the, the, these people didn't even actually know God. I'm sure they have heard of God. They were brought in, and it says they didn't fear the Lord. It says, oh, yeah, this is God's country. What God? I, I, or this is the Lord. This is Yahweh's country. Who's he? I'm not going to fear him. I'm not going to follow him. And it says that the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. And that word some is not in the Hebrew. I think it should be killed a lot of them. So they spoke to the king of Assyria and saying, the nations whom you have removed and placed in the cities of Samaria do not know the rituals of God. Therefore, he has sent lions among them. And indeed, they are killing them because they do not know the rituals of, uh, of the God of the land. Then the king of Assyria commanded, well, send there one of the priests whom you brought from there. Let him go and dwell there and let him teach them the rituals 
um, of the God of the land. Then one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. So, you know, this is an interesting thing. I mean, uh, Israel is the apple of God's eye to this day. That piece of land, that piece of geography is really important. When our country stops supporting Israel, it's over. <laughs> it, 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 I, I'm telling you, it's just over at that point. Uh, I, it, it, because it's so clear from Genesis chapter 12. God said to Abraham, he said, your descendants, those who bless you, we will bless. The... That's why the United States is, is a large part of why we're so, we've been so blessed, is our support of Israel. If you don't believe that, go look at the United Nations votes. It's, uh, oftentimes it's whatever. Two, they pass resolutions condemning Israel. It'll be like 200 nations, and there'll be like three against it, the United States and England and, and Israel itself. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And, and so there, there's something about the land of Israel, the Bible does say, that predict that, 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 that Israel would be banished to all parts of the world, but they would be regathered, which did happen after 2,000 years. They were regathered in 1948. God care, cares about that plot of land. There's all this stuff in Ezekiel about what's going to happen there. After Jesus returns, Jesus is going to return. He's going to actually reign. He's going to reign in Israel. And so there's this plot of land, the Israelites all go, and no one respects the Lord. No one respects the Lord, and the Lord, he sends lions and, and to kill a bunch of them, and someone figures out, hey, we, we better respect him, we better honor him. So they actually go, and they get a priest. The priest comes and starts teaching them about who God is, and then verse 29, this, this is what happens so often. However, every nation continued to make gods of its own and put them in shrines on the high places which the Samaritans had made. Every nation in the cities where they dwelt, the men of Babylon made Sukkoth Benoth, the men of Kuth made Nergal, the men of Hamath made Ashima, the Avites made Nibaz and Tartak, the Savarites burned their children in fire to Adramalek and Ahamalek, the gods of Surfivrim. And verse 32, so they feared the Lord, so they did fear the Lord. What was the problem? They also feared every other god. They, they also followed every other god. And from every class, they appointed for themselves priests of the high places who sacrificed for them in the shrines of the high places. So again, verse 33 sums it up. They feared the Lord, yet they served their own gods. According to the rituals of the nations from among whom they were carried away. And, th and this is what you see so often. That someone will have a genuine respect for God. A genuine fear of him. If someone begins to uh, you know, drag God's name through the mud, they will actually say something. But in their own life, they're just, they're just essentially self-worship. Worshipping money, they're worshipping their career or whatever. I remember Jay Leno. Do any of you even know Jay Leno? Someone's raising their hand. You're, okay. Uh, so the question is, which is a very good question. So this priest that was sent to um, the northern kingdom, did they? Did the priest? Uh, did the priest teach them the form of worship that Jeroboam had introduced, or the real thing? And the answer is, I don't know. I mean, uh, it, 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 it was, my guess is that they, he, my guess is that this priest 
since he had been a priest in the northern kingdom, they weren't even required to be Levites up there. So they didn't even have to, you know, they could just be anyone, Jeroboam's friend or the king's friend. Uh, my guess is that they introduced a bastardized version of the law of Moses, which was the problem, uh, you know, in the northern kingdom. It was, there was, it was a mesh of both of them. So, uh, so, I don't know, does that answer your question? Questions are allowed here, and, and they don't have to be once every three years. But um, Cleveland. What's that? Oh, thank you for asking that, because not everyone may know. Soothsaying. So they practice soothsaying. That is essentially the same as fortune-telling. It's essentially the same thing as going to the fortune teller and asking, you know, whatever, tell my fortune. But I'm, I don't want to pick on Jay Leno, but he does represent a, um, a lot of sort of how people are. He was interviewing, I don't know the guy's name, but who, the guy who played Jesus in The Passion? John who? Cara? John Carvel, John, he's done some great stuff, by the way, since The Passion. He's, Jim? Jim Carvel? What? Jim Caviso? Caviso. Caviso. Jim Caviso. He's interviewing Jim Caviso on the late, uh, on the late night show, and um, he was... <laughs> he asked him during the filming of The Passion, while they put Jim Caviezel on the cross, he was struck by lightning. How, how many of you guys know that? I mean, it's a shocking thing. Like multiple times. And, and, and Jay Leno said to him, listen, I'm not a religious person, but if someone in a movie is putting me on the cross and I get hit by lightning, I'm out of there. I mean, well, why did you stay there? Um, and so anyway, he, he, he answered the question, but... That, that attitude, there was an actual fear of the Lord there. A real, Jay Leno was, was expressing a fear of the Lord. And by all means, if he hasn't already, I, I pray that he would turn to the Lord, Jay Leno. But that really does describe sort of the typical attitude of most Americans, including my own family. Until we met the Lord, my parents were later in their life, in their early 40s. Um, and then um, my brothers also uh, and I followed suit. But th there's a respect for the Lord, but there's no real following the Lord. And that is the religion that developed in the northern kingdom. They, they, they were taught, so this priest comes back and teaches them about the Lord, but they're keeping the worship of other gods. And so... At this, it was at this time that the people we know as the Samaritans came into being. You remember the Samaritans. They're mentioned frequently in the New Testament. Jesus, um, uh, in John chapter 4, meets the Samaritan woman and asks her for water. And she says, well, now, wait a second. How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans? The Samaritans only believed in the first five books of the Old Testament. They didn't think Jerusalem was the holy city. There was like some mountain um, in the north. that they. And so it was at this time with this priest coming in and teaching them. This is um, your question, Sam. This is part of the reason I think most scholars say that, that it was not like the real deal here. They didn't have the prophets. The northern priests in the northern kingdom really didn't like the prophets that much uh, because uh, the prophets would, would come up and um, get in their face. Um, but... Uh, it was at this time that the, that the Samaritans came and sort of the, you know, they sort of develop a mishmash of beliefs. Verse 34, to this day they continue practicing the formal rituals. They did not know the fear of the Lord, nor do they follow their statutes or their ordinances or the law and commandment which the Lord had commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel. 
with whom the Lord had made a covenant and charged them, saying, You shall not fear other gods, nor bow down to them, or serve them, nor sacrifice to them. But the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt with great power and an outstretched arm, him you shall fear, him you shall worship, and to him you shall offer sacrifice. And the statutes, the ordinances, the law, and the commandment which he wrote for you, you shall be careful to observe forever. You shall not fear other gods. And the covenant that I have made with you, you shall not forget, nor shall you fear other gods. But the Lord your God you shall fear, and he will deliver you from the hands of your enemies. Verse 40, however, they did not obey. The Christian life is a life of very, very, very simple obedience to the word of God. Simple obedience to the word of God. Simple, humble obedience to the word of God. And they didn't buy that. They did for, you know, they had for a while under David and under Solomon, but they departed from it. They did not obey, verse 40. They followed their former rituals. So those nation, these nations, oops, Actually, what they're talking about here, they're, they're not talking about children of Israel. They're talking about the nations who had, um, they're talking about the nations who they had come in. Hmm. Well, they are talking to the children of Israel. This is really, what this is here uh, in verses 35 through um, 39, this is a, this is a history of the disobedience of the children of Israel. But then there's sort of a, um, in verse 40 and 41, there's a convergence where then, it, then it, they start talking about the nations that had been brought in because by now the Israelites had been displaced. It says, however, they did not obey, but they followed their former rituals. So these nations, meaning these new nations, they feared the Lord, yet they served their carved images also, their children and their children's children have continued doing as their fathers did, even to this day. 